Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome again to Next Step Leadership Podcast. Uh, as Tracy Reynolds and I have these conversations with friends or or sometimes people we've met for the for the first time, um, we love hearing their stories. Uh, we like to talk about what they are doing, but also why, why they are doing what they're doing and who they are uh, that makes them want to do that why and the what. Um, and Tracy, today's conversation is very exciting to us because mm-hmm. this is a dear friend that we'll be talking to, and we know her well, we know her heart, and we are excited to see what God has done in her life and will continue doing. So Tracy, it's good to be together with you again. It's so excited to be with our friend, Margaret Turner. All right. Well, man, it is absolutely something I've been looking forward to. It's, we, today we have Margaret Maggie Grady Turner uh, with us. Uh, we've known her primarily. I knew her from uh, from Emmanuel College. She was a, a school of Christian ministry student. She and her sister, uh, they, she graduated in 2008 uh, and went on to graduate school uh, at uh, Clemson, uh, which yeah, <laughs> right. and go big tigers <laughs> yeah. and. She was your assistant campus pastor. Uh, she, of course, the crazy thing about, about Maggie was she was doing all this stuff uh, for free long before she ever got paid to do it. Mm-hmm. But So it was a natural thing for her to, to join the staff and work with student development. Uh, and then she went on to Southern Wesleyan and served there for three years. Uh, she calls this the South Carolina years when her family was in South Carolina doing ministry. But at the heart of that, she's a wife, she's a mother, she, but she's an advocate for the marginalized, the hurting and the abused and the trafficked, the exploited uh, women and children. And she's currently finishing up a law degree from Georgia State, which is no small... Now, did you hear me say <laughs> she's a wife and a mother and she does all these things? But right now she's a full-time student and I understand she finishes in December and she's about three, three and a half years into this and she'll take the bar exam next year. So it's a big time. Welcome so much to Next Step Leadership, Maggie Turner. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be with you guys this morning. Uh, just hearing your voice uh, and then seeing your face reminds me of our many conversations through the years. And uh, I want to remind you, I know I've said this to you a lot, but I mean it every time I say it to you. You've uh, made a positive impact on many, many people. And I just want to thank you. It was an honor of knowing you and your family many years ago in our Florida years. And then when I moved to Georgia, uh, you, you beat me there at Emmanuel. But uh, then, um, you know, you serving as a student and then working with me in, in spiritual life, uh, you made a positive difference. And I, and I still miss having you with me as I serve the students there. Aww. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you would... Maggie, uh, tell us a bit about how we got to be sitting in this uh, room together in cyberspace talking about life. I mean, uh, it's been a minute. Uh, we've known each other for virtually 20 years. 
And it's incredible. But tell us a bit about your story and how we got to be in this place. Yeah. Well, starting back from the very beginning, I was actually thinking about this yesterday. You know, I wanted when I was little, I decided, you know, career wise, you know, very young that I was going to be the first woman president of the United States. And then, of course, I had an amazing youth pastor when I was growing up in middle Mm -hmm. school and high school. So I fluctuated from wanting to be a civil rights attorney or human rights attorney or being a youth pastor. And so I kind of flip-flopped between those things really up until, you know, months before committing to a college. I had committed to a different university to do political science and just felt that Holy Spirit kind of nudging me to think about Emmanuel and um, I started out pre-law at Emmanuel, actually. I didn't switch to Christian Ministries till mm. my sophomore year. And I really just felt like the Lord was like, trust me in this, trust me in this. And, mm. um, you know, we're sitting in this room together because that was such a, just uh, such an important place. Um, you guys invested in me as an undergrad student and as a young professional in my first role as associate campus pastor alongside Chris. And that was no small thing. That's why we're sitting in this room together, because you Mm -hmm. guys prayed with me. You guys checked in with me. You guys talked me through some of these decisions about, should I I work here? Should I study this? Um, And... Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, I was calling you guys when I was thinking about law school 20 years later, 15 years later. Should I do this? (laughs) Can you write me a recommendation? (laughs) Can you say that I'm an okay student? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can say that you're more than an okay student, that's for sure. Well, at what point, uh, Maggie, did you realize that, uh, I mean, it sounds like almost from the time you were a, a small child, that you have cared for those people who are in the margins, those people who who fall beyond the lines of being cared for uh, by our culture and by our society. So, where did all that start? Did you like do some missions trips, or what? What, what was the catalyst for that? It started with movies, and I actually we had a conversation about this one time, Pastor Tracy. I don't know if you remember, but I was trying to go to Greece. Like to do some help with refugees before uh, thinking about law school. And you were like, Maggie, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> and I said, it's movies. Like, as a young kid, I remember watching for the first time To Kill a Mockingbird. I remember watching A Long Walk Home. My dad was very intentional about our video library exposing us to injustices that were happening in the world and then people who were very impactful in addressing those injustices. Everything from racial justice in the 60s to Corey Tim Boom watching The Hiding Place. And so I, I grew up... I guess because of some of the films we kept as a young person, just aware that there was very gross injustice in the world and that Christians played a really big role in addressing those and changing the the narrative, changing Mm. the story. And so I think that is... That was the beginning for sure. And I did... My youth pastor did take us on trips all over the place. And it was really unique missions experiences because I I know now we talk a lot about 
how you can do missions really, really wrong. And every trip we Mm. ever did was out of a relationship with a pastor, whether it was in another city, in another state, or in another country overseas, that my youth pastor and our church family actually had an ongoing relationship with to where they came and visited us too. They actually came when we were serving Orlando, they would come and help us. And so it was a very Mm. mutual, um, beneficial relationship. And just missions in a relational way like that was very, very changing. Because, of course, you got to see um, poverty in a way that I had never seen it before. But then I got to see poverty in D.C. and Orlando um, and Cherokee, North Carolina. All these different places that she took us um, were very impactful, too. And so I think those those were the, the formidable things in terms of childhood mm-hmm. and leading up to going to to college. Well, it's, I think it's important to note, too, that your father is Lee Grady, a dear friend of ours, and he uh, has been very uh, instrumental in the work for seeing women in, in ministry, uh, people that have been oppressed in society. That's been a mission of his for decades now. So you grew up in that environment uh, and your family has served, and then you, like you said, you you had a youth pastor. She was uh, fantastic at making sure that you were asking the right questions and accepting responsibility. That's one of the things I I so admire about you, Maggie, is that you don't just talk this. This is something that no, this is a way of life. This is a priority, and that's going to be reflected in how I use my time and my resources. Uh, so. Uh, thank you for doing that. that. So you went to Emmanuel College, you changed your major, went into the School of Christian Ministry, still trying to figure out, you went in, you worked, uh, matter of fact, you even wrote a book called Adventure Available because you were engaged in student uh, activities and student development uh, with Pastor Chris and, and others. How did was that a detour, or was that uh, why was that important? I actually wrote the first chapter of that book when I was still an undergrad, a version of it. And um, when I had left Emmanuel to go work for Southern Wesleyan, I you know throughout the years I had continually put together certain chapters, but I really just wanted. I taught that class, you know, that they teach at a lot of Christian universities where it's like intro to college. So it's a little bit of practical Mm. skills, but then also life skills. And I felt like there was a missing resource to encourage college students just in the practical life things Mm -hmm. that choosing to do life with Jesus was actually really excited and it wasn't like giving up everything ever fun that you can imagine it was actually saying yes to the most exciting most adventurous life that you could choose for yourself and of course not one without pain and suffering because that definitely comes with the Christian walk but I just wanted college students to hear that life with Jesus was really beautiful and very meaningful and and fun too. Mm-hmm. Well, as you continued that journey, um, I've thought so many times about um, this as an important aspect of everything that we talk about. Everything Tracy and I talk about, the people that we talk to and listen to, but then hearing their stories. Um, there were other people in your life that had positive influences in you. And knowing now that you're doing what you're doing, 
but you have people beside you to encourage you and help you. Talk to us about the importance of, of as people are hearing your story, and maybe some are listening to this and thinking, oh, I want to make a difference. And I remember when I was in college and I had this, this dream or this desire, but I haven't done it yet. Uh, they need to have people in their lives to encourage them, to ask them the right questions, and also dare them to do the right things. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it doesn't take... Like it doesn't, I think sometimes when people think about mentoring the next generation, they think it's like this huge undertaking that like they might not know how to do it, but really Mm. it's, it's not that complicated, like loving that student, encouraging that student, being available to talk when they want to talk or asking if they want to talk. Emmanuel was such a special place in terms of that, because it was so relational. We had Mm. professors, I remember Professor Studebaker having Rick and I over to his house for dinner, and his wife made us this amazing bruschetta. And, uh, you know, Mm. you guys always being available to talk, having some amazing bosses as students, like working like Jason Croy and Kirk McConnell, who just gave you that confidence in in your skills and abilities. So I I would definitely say for anybody who's thinking about you know, mentoring the next generation, that it's just not that complicated. It's, it's about availability mm. and love and encouragement, and it really isn't more complicated than that a lot of times. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you saying that because we, we sometimes could try to turn it into this uh, giant <laughs> monster event uh, instead of it being those conversations that you and I had in the office um, I mean, we worked together all those years, and, and we, we never disagreed with each other. It's like, <laughs> it, 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 we, we uh, I, I think this is such a good example of how we respected each other, but we also knew each other's strengths and weaknesses, and we were able to partner with that. And, and, and I want that to be a part of, uh, more a part of the church culture, uh, the ministry or the business culture in today's leadership. Yeah, I know. Sometimes we want people who are just like us <laughs> instead of the opposite right. because, you know, um, sometimes it is tougher to bring, you know, bring a team together with a lot of different unique skills, but you're really stronger for it. Because um, if you have just a carbon copy of yourself surrounding yourself, there's so many things that you can't do. Mm. Wow. I, I want to shift gears a little bit. I was thinking as I listened to you talk today, Maggie, that I remember a painful season uh, that you and Rick went through when a church, you were disappointed, and there was a lot of pain. And one of the things that I want to say to you is that I so admire that you didn't throw in the towel, that you didn't give up. And I know it, it was tempting. It was like, you know, to heck with this church thing. And I'll, I can just love Jesus and go freelance, you know. But you didn't do that. But that was a painful process. Yeah. It, yeah, it definitely was. We had a church. And I always say it wasn't a church split. It was an implosion because it really was mm. a two-week period where the church just went from 300 to 30. It just, just. Wow. You know, it it didn't split. It just unraveled really quickly, um, and so that was, that was a place of a lot of pain. And honestly, I mean, I I 
didn't go to church for a while. I mean, I, I, I we, yeah. we found a church immediately that was nearby, but when we moved here, so we waited about a year before we moved back home to Georgia from South Carolina, and I... Um, yeah, there was probably like a year where we didn't go to church anywhere. And I, I listened to Village Church, who's another Emmanuel mm-hmm. alum online. And I still do because I love, I love that church. I love the preaching there. Um, but yeah, and honestly, if it weren't for the kids, I, you know, like the kids were such a motivator to get back because I didn't want them to miss out on discipleship and learning God's word and being around other Christians who would love them and be a part of that village that you, you want around you when you're raising kids. So that was a big part of it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I preach now different. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't preach very mm. often, but I did preach uh, a couple months ago. And I think everything um, that we went through has really reminded me that like choosing Jesus does require a lot of suffering. And even though it is mm. adventurous and it is meaningful and it's beautiful and there's comfort there that wouldn't be there otherwise, it's not something that you get to do without it costing something. And I think, you know, right. Jesus was pretty clear about that in Scripture, but when you mm-hmm. haven't experienced, like, the devastating losing your entire community, losing your livelihood, you know, when you're a pastor, mm-hmm. your job is a lot more personal than other jobs, so so mm-hmm. losing that just carries a lot of pain and um but yeah, so walking through that has been tough, and it's still tough, honestly. Like it's it's not like it, you know. There's mm. there's days where I'm like, man, I like I miss like what we had. At, you know, some days it's like, yeah. I, and God, I tell God all the time, like I would love to have really close, tight knit community again. And um, yeah. so that's that's a prayer yeah. for sure. <laughs> and I believe you will. You know, just but as we close out this particular podcast, how did you get through that? How are you? Well, let me frame that differently. How are you getting through that? Because I I appreciate the vulnerability to say, you know what? That didn't go away after a week. I'm still dealing with that and and, and that. So how are you processing all that now? Yeah, so I i mean, counseling is one thing. <laughs> I have an yeah, awesome counselor. Um, and uh, so that's a big thing. Talking with friends, praying with friends is is another big thing. Especially friends who have been through painful things. Because sometimes if we have friends who haven't been through like life-shattering, <laughs> painful mm-hmm. things, their advice isn't like the best because <laughs> they just don't know what it's like they to have know. that earth-shattering mm-hmm. event. So other friends uh, that can, can, can talk you through it. But also just in a practical standpoint, I... Like I had to envision what I wanted for my life again in a new way because what I had previously envisioned was now off the table, so to speak, or or maybe not off the table, but I never really wanted to be on staff full time at a church. So I I did have to think through though in moving here, what do I want for for my career? What do I want our lives to look like. And so that was the place where, you know, I started thinking about law school again and thinking about, okay, we, we've gotten a restart and it is hard and it is painful, but I still get to 
craft what I want for the rest of my life in a certain mm-hmm. sense. Obviously, some things are out of your control. I didn't know if I was going to get into law school. You know, like there were certain things that were question marks. But one of the things that's not a Christian book that I read well, was uh, Seven Habits by Stephen Covey, which I had mm-hmm. never read that before. I was 34, 35 when I read that for the first time. And just talking about that sense of agency, I get to decide what I want for my life. And obviously, again, there are things out of your control, but I got to kind of pinpoint, okay, like in three years, I want to graduate law school. In five years, I want to have a reputation for being a good attorney that cares for the marginalized. In seven years, you know, I want to, you know, I want to go into the whole plan, but I did have that space. And I think that was really helpful in, in the healing process to say, I still have a sense of control over the way I'm going to parent, uh, you know, the way I'm going to love my husband, the way I'm going to shape my career moving forward. Because then you don't yeah. feel like you're not in control of your life when so much painful has been out of your control. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being honest with us. Yeah. Yeah. You know that we love you, and there are many people that we love who are listening to this, many people that we don't even know that listen to this, and they need to hear your words mm-hmm. today as you are being honest um, about the the difficult parts of your journey. Uh, uh, we'll talk to you again and interview you for next week's podcast. Uh, so we'll just end here, and then next week we'll focus more on where you are now and where you see yourself going in the future because we're all trying to face uh, the struggles uh, that, that that we're experiencing, but face them from the right perspective, from a godly perspective and a healing perspective. So thanks for helping us do that and just learning to, to make sure that our next steps are our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, a weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you joined us. You can find us on your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Tracy Vennell's new book, Second Chair Leadership, How to Serve, Thrive, and Lead from Where You Play, is available now at ctracyvennels.com or Amazon. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Services is available now at chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their musical releases at casualamericans.com or your favorite music supplier. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. Things fill